with everything that I have in me. In the past two years, two, two and a half years that I've known him, he's been a mentor. He's, he's been there. Uh, let me tell you, he, he was there in, in one of my darkest hours when I lost my job in the middle of youth camp. He was there for me to talk to and to encourage me. He was there. Not every state youth and Christian education director would take that time out and do that. Not every administrator of the church of God would take their time to do that. And tonight, I, w- I want us to bless this man of God. I want us to dig deep. I'm not asking you to pay tithes. I'm not asking you for anything. I, I'm asking for a, a, a generous offering for the man of God. He poured out his heart last night. He's going to pour out his heart tonight. He's going to pour out his heart tomorrow morning, and he's going to pour his heart out tomorrow night in this revival. He's going to give everything that he has inside of him to you and I. He's going to leave it all on the table. He's not going to leave here with an ounce of energy left. I'm asking that we bless him. Brother Eddie, would you come? Brother Randy, would you come? We want to serve you tonight and allow you the opportunity to worship in your giving. Giving is one of the greatest things, the greatest principles you'll ever ever be able to understand. Because the Bible says, if you give, it shall be given back to you. Pressed down, shaken up, running over. He says, running over. He doesn't say it'll be half full. He doesn't say it'll be to the brim. But he says it'll be running over. Father, right now in the name of Jesus. God, I come to you boldly and I... I pray, God, that you would use this offering for its intended use, God. I pray that you would bless the man of God. That you would bless his coming and his going. I pray that you would increase his finances, God. And that you would increase his schedule. God, that you would continue to use him mightily for your work. God, continue to use his hands. Continue to use his mouth. Continue to use his feet as he goes. And Lord, we just pray, God, that you would just multiply this tonight. Tenfold, hundredfold, God. You are a miracle worker, and I pray, God, that you will give unto him tonight as he has given unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. Brother David, would you come? As he's coming, can we just give him a hand clap of offering for, for allowing himself to come to be with us tonight? Can we just bless the man of God and the bishop of the house? We love the Brother Dane, Sister Christian, their family. You didn't have to stop. That was good. If you will turn to John chapter 5. Last night we had a, a moment where the worship team quit leading worship. All of a sudden, we just 
didn't have any singing, didn't have any music. And at one time, we were just worshiping. I looked up, and I really saw the Shekinah glory begin to fill this house. And that was a moment that I, I don't take lightly. I don't ever take it lightly that God visits his people. I'll say it again. I don't ever take it lightly that God visits his people. He's not welcome in some churches around the state. Mm. John chapter 5, and you don't have to stand for the reading of the word. I'm just going to kind of start at verse 2. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. Actually had five porches. Archaeologists found it in the 19th century. Actually discovered it, which means to me if they discovered it, that means it was real. (laughs) I'll say it again. If they discovered it, that means it's real. Can I tell you, this is not a just a, a fable. <laughs> this is actually a history book. It's the living word of God, and everything from the front of the cover to the end of the cover is fact. It is not fiction. It is real. It is real. It is real. It found it in the 19th century. Bethesda actually means house of kindness. Verse 3, and it says, there was a great multitude of Impotent folk of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. Verse 4 says, And an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatever or whatsoever disease they may have had. Verse 5 says this, A certain man was there who had an infirmity, 38 years. God, right now I ask, Lord, open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts to speak, God, what you want to speak in this moment. God, we know this story, but I do believe there is something unique about this passage. I do believe there is something unique about this, this, this passage of Scripture that you shared with us. It was so important that John had to pin it down. And God, I do believe it was something unique for us that's going to change us tonight. I ask God right now that in this next few moments that you help us. God, it's not my words, it's your words. And once it becomes your words, your word does not return unto you void, but it goes out and accomplishes, Lord, what you send for it to accomplish. And I ask God right now, that you hide me behind the cross and speak the word of God like you want to speak it. In your name, and the church says, Amen. The waters had to be troubled. The waters had to be stirred. This was a season of Passover. They were getting ready to walk into a season of Pentecost. And now here's Jesus, which shows up in John chapter 4 to the woman in Samaria. The woman at the well, and he says, I am the living water. So understanding now the living water is showing up here at the pool of Bethesda one chapter later. And here he is where there is a stirring of the waters, but yet he is the living water showing up at a place where they're stirring the water. (laughs) 
If you get on over to John chapter 7, he begins to tell them later, he says this, he that believes on me, as the scripture says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. This was the living water making a visitation, and here everyone else was going to the stirring of the waters, and this man who was, who was basically just laying here on his bed 38 years couldn't get to a place. Go on to the next, next scripture real quick, if you will, there. Jesus saw him laying there. He knew he'd been there for a long time in that condition. He says, do you want to be made well? He's saying, do you want this? He's saying, you're going to have to make a decision. You're going to have to make a choice. You're going to have to decide. You're going to have to say, okay, I've been here long enough. You're going to have to say, I've, I've tried everything I can. But are you going to be at a place right now where you, you're going to have to make a decision, do you want to be made well? Verse 7, he says this. Sick man said, sir, I have no man to put me in the pool where the water is stirred up. While I was coming, another one steps down before me. What he's saying is, I'm going to church and everybody else is getting blessed but me. Oh, she's over here shouting, and I see she's huckabucking, and she's getting, she's getting the Holy Ghost, but I ain't feeling nothing. Mm. This is good teaching. But really, when you break it down and start studying, he is saying this. I have been doing exactly what the protocol says. I have been doing what tradition says. I have been doing what they require me to do. Somebody carries me down here, they lay me down, and then I have to have someone help me in the water. I, I've got to follow the tradition. I've got to follow the protocol. And if somebody don't help me down, he's saying, I, I've got to do what they told me to do. Huh. And everybody else gets a blessing. Everybody else gets their healing. Everybody else gets a touch. I've been sitting here. I've been waiting. 38 years I've been doing the same thing over and over and over, repeating it every time. And yet everybody else gets touched, but I ain't getting nothing. I've been following the protocol. I've been following the traditions of the church. I've been doing everything they've asked me to do, but yet I'm not getting nothing. Mm. And look what happens. Verse 8. I really believe this is a place that he's trying to teach us. And I'll kind of help us for a minute. I looked up this, and I've got this. This is what's so cool about this. The number 38, if you're making notes, in Hebrews means this, to be in slavery or in bondage. Wow. But if you break it up and you take the number three, the number three means, everybody knows this, divine perfection. And if you take the number eight, the number eight means new beginnings. <laughs> so what that means is this was a divine appointment for this man to get a new beginning in his life to break the bondage. 
I'll say it again. This was a divine appointment in this man's life to get a new beginning, to break the bondage, to break the tradition, to break the protocol, to do everything that he's been trying to do and it's not been working and I'm going to try it by the living water. The living water of God is here and I'm going to do something different. That's good. But I like this. I studied a little bit further. This is what I like. 38 also means not only bondage, but in the Greek means the glory of God's healing. So what that means is when the glory of God shows up, when we've been trying to do everything on our own, when we've been trying to do tradition things and we've been trying to do things based on protocol, when we've been trying to do things that we feel like we're supposed to do because that's what we always do and that's how we always get it and that's how it always moves and that's how it always flows and that's how it always goes. But now I believe if God shows up and the glory of God begins to do something, he begins to break tradition. He begins to break protocol. He begins to break out and he starts moving in a man's life that touches him. And he says, you've got to make a decision. Rise up. Take up your bed and walk. You've got to make a decision. You've got to be obedient. He could have sit there or he laid there. Jesus was saying this. You've got to rise up. Break the tradition. Rise up and quit doing like everybody has been telling you to do. Rise up and quit doing that everything they've always said that you've got to do to get your healing. Rise up and break some things in your life. Rise up and break these bondages in your life. Raise up in this last day and stand up in the midst of all this and realize that it always ain't going to be that way. I'm bringing a new move of God that's going to be a divine appointment for your life that's going to begin to bring the glory of God into your life and it's going to heal you and you're going to walk out of here a new man with the anointing and power of God on your life got to get up. I, I like that. I, and, and I kind of started wondering there was something good about this that I saw. He was basically saying to the man, because the word actually meant he was impotent as well. Look at your neighbor and say impotent. <laughs> Not meaning they're impotent. <laughs> we always think that means something a little bit weird. But impotent means without power, and without strength, and without authority. So I'm wondering if the church is just laying there, doing the same things that we've always done. Get on the internet in this thing called the Google. Type in how many different denominations are there, and there's 41,000 different denominations in the Christian family. 
and we've been doing everything our way on our, our own opinions, on our own mindsets, and I know this is weird because I'm preaching against denomination, but I really believe we've got to get back to saying the only thing that's going to fix the church is when the glory of God comes back into the house of God and we get up off of our laziness and get up and begin to stand up and begin to break some traditions and break some things that's been binding the churches for too long. Anybody here that will stand up and say, I'm ready to break some traditions. I'm ready to break some protocols. I'm ready to break some bondages that's been trying to stop the church. Somebody praise him for a moment. My goodness. It has to be a place that we understand. I'm obligated to do it this way. Mm. (laughs) We've always done it this way. Preaching tonight, is it? We've always done it this way. That's how it always works. We've got a formula. God is a God of numbers. One plus one plus one equals one. We understand that. But we always have to do it this way. And we can't change that. We've always done it this way. When Jesus goes into the temple, when he flips the tables, one of the things they were doing, number one, is they had the doves over here in the cage. For you that know what a dove represents, it represents the Holy Spirit in a cage. Then number two, they were selling the dove's dung, which was a delicacy. It's actually very tasty. Put it on cracker, it tastes pretty good if you like bird poop. I've tried it. But this is the thing. The residue of the bird poop or the dove's dung is where the bird used to be. And everybody wants to eat from where the bird used to be. I don't know if you get anything from that or not. As much as I love what happened in the 1800s, and as much as I love what happened in the 1900s, as much as I, I believe God is still the same yesterday, today, and forever, but I do believe he's got a new move of God and he's bringing back into the church of God again. And I believe we're about to see a fresh wind of the Holy Ghost that's about to move. I don't want to live off of what God did yesterday. I don't want to live off of what God did 100 years ago. I don't want to say, oh, I remember the day we used to do this, we used to do that, we used to do this, this is how God moved, and we sit around like we're veterans of foreign wars talking about what God did over there in World War II. It's time for us to stand up and say I'm ready for a move of God that's going to flip up some traditions that's going to change. How does that happen? How's that going to happen, preacher? Well, let's look at this. 
the person that showed up. Andy, when you sang that a minute ago, it was so powerful. Jesus. She sang John 14, 6. He is the only way. He is the only name. I'll say it, and I hope I don't make you mad. If you do, come and hug my neck after service. But Oprah says there's many names that's going to get you to heaven. There's a preacher out in Texas that says there's many ways that you're going to get to heaven. I can tell you the Bible says Jesus is the only way. No other name given to man under heaven which men shall be saved. It's the name of Jesus. And we got to get back to preaching Jesus. We got to get back to living Jesus. We got to get back to saying, I believe Jesus can still heal. He can still bring a move of God that will change our world today. Anybody still believe in the name of Jesus? Anybody still believe in the blood of Jesus? Rise up. But I started looking at this, and and I'm trying to get there. I promise my wife gets so mad at me. Got to make a decision. You got to be obedient. People come to church every Sunday after service, after service. And God's sitting here saying, do you want to receive or not? We come to church, and oh my Lord, there's that brother up there in the front. He's jumping around again. Why does he always get the blessings and I don't get nothing? Moves what he's saying. This is the thing. You can stay where the cloud used to be or you can move with the cloud. You can sit out here in the front of your tent and watch Moses get all his blessing. You preach my sermon. Or you can go up into that other tent over there with Moses where the cloud is. You've got to make a decision. You're going to have to rise up and say, I'm going after what God's got for me. You're going to have to make a decision to stand up and take up your bed and follow him. Anybody really believe that the cloud can move again and we're going to chase after the glory of God? Somebody bless him for just a moment. I'm not preaching my sermon. I'm jumping around too much. I'm sorry. Quit jumping around. Impotent. Spiritually blind. Spiritually withered. Spiritually limping. Spiritually slumbering. Spiritually lacking power. Spiritually lacking lacking wisdom. Spiritually not moving forward. Spiritually lying around. Spiritually not reacting. Spiritually not responding. Spiritually not growing. Years of being lethargic. Years of always letting the enemy take the legs out from underneath you. And you're always laying down. God's saying to get up. To get up. God's saying to get up. And look what happens in verse 9. You got verse 9? Oh, I'm sorry. And later. Mm. Immediately. 
the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. Now, this is where I like this. I started looking at this, and it's the same word of stirring. I don't know, I'm from the 80s. I'm an 80s kid. They used to do this thing called the cabbage patch. Looked like they were stirring something. (laughs) I know you're laughing. And I remember my mama, when she'd make a cake, she would take take a, a, a box of Betty Crocker. I think she used two eggs some water, but I think she had the the famous ingredient was oil. And when you start stirring something, you've got to have the oil that stirs. Mm. So the oil and the water is a combination that stirs. Uh, Okay. And it's the same word where Paul was talking to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verses 5 through 7. Y'all know it and you can quote it with me. He tells Timothy, he says, your grandmother, oh Lois, and your mother, Eunice, they both had great faith or unfeigned faith. It was famous faith. They had genuine faith, sincere faith. And it dwelt in them. And he says, and I am persuaded that it has to be in you also. Now, is, who is this to you? Is that your, that's your who? Where's your mama at? Your mama here? Okay. But she's your mother-in-law. Now, you ain't going to heaven because of her. I'm not going to heaven because my dad was assembly God minister. Your children ain't going to heaven just because y'all are pastors. You've got to understand there's got to be something on the inside of you. The Bible says that God has given every man a measure of faith. I consider it the single grain of mustard seed faith. And there's got to be on something on the inside of you that has to be stirred up, Timothy. So he says this in, in verse 6. Watch what he says here. Therefore, I remind you, you've got to. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water and sometimes you've got to stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of you. There's got to be a stirring. Can I tell you what's happened to our churches right now? We just lay down. We just lay here and we're half asleep. We don't move anymore because we're not stirring up the Holy Ghost on the inside of us anymore. We're not stirring up the gift of God on the inside of us anymore. What would happen if we made a decision that we started stirring up the gift of God on the inside of us and God, I believe you can begin to stir like water and like oil and I believe you can begin to do something in my life that's going to change us God well you're laying on of my hands and God has not given you the spirit of fear but power power and I begin to wonder okay what does this mean to me and I started thinking Second Peter one thirteen, and I'm trying to get back to the notes where I got us to. Paul reminded us of this. He says, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent to stir you up by reminding you. What we got to do is we got to remind each other. Anybody 
anybody remember where you were before you got saved? Lost, that's right, that's a good one. Lost. <laughs> remember where you were? Now, y'all didn't come out of your mama's womb speaking in tongues. Bible says, I think it's Romans 3.23, for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. So we were all lost. So do you remind yourself of what God did for your life? Anybody remember what God done for you? Just take a minute and just remember what God done for you. My goodness. Where would you be tonight on a Saturday night? You wouldn't be up in the house of God. Mm. Boy, it's quiet right now. Where would you be right now on a Saturday night? Probably up in a club. Some of us may be in jail. Some of us may be in prison. Had it not been for God on your side, had it not been for God who rescued you, had it not been for the Redeemer who saved you, had it, sometimes you've got to go back and remind yourself of what God has done for you. Even at the place... I said this last night, and I feel like I need to say it. I just said it to you. Jesus gets up after breaking the bread, after pouring the wine, and starts going to the garden. And the Bible says he began to lead them in praise and worship. Now, he knows he's going to the garden. He knows his sweat is going to be drops of blood. He knows he's about to go to the cross, but he's still singing praise and worship songs. And you know what the songs he's singing? If you're making notes, Psalms 113 to 118. It's called the Hallel. And what they would do with the Hallel, mm, come here, Eddie, let's just try this. They would go up the steps of the temple and they would stop here and they'd say, I remember when we was in bondage and yet God delivered us. I remembered when the Egyptians were chasing us down and there was a Red Sea in front of us and all of a sudden there appeared a cloud that separated us from the Red Sea and all of a sudden we saw the hand of God open the Red Sea and he delivered us over on the dry ground. I remember we got out in the middle of the wilderness and all of a sudden we was hungry and all of a sudden there came, came manna from heaven. Mm. And they begin to sing, God, I thank you that you delivered me. God, I thank you that you brought us through the wilderness. God, I thank you you brought us into the hell, into the promised land. You brought us into a land of milk and honey. And God, I thank you that you are a delivering God, that you are a saving God. Anybody remember the day he delivered you? Anybody remember the day he saved you? Anybody remember? Somebody right now begin to stir up the remembrance inside of you. Hey. It's just for me and you tonight. Turn around. <laughs> Lord, I remember. Come on, come on. God, I remember when I doubted you. God, when I didn't even believe that you were a savior. <laughs> But then, God, you showed forth your glory and restored my family, Lord. 
God, I remember when I didn't even think I was worthy of love, God. Oh, God, but you surrounded me, Lord. God, and you gave me a family, Lord. God, I remember, Lord, being caught in addiction, Jesus, and affliction, Jesus, being shrouded with shame and guilt, Father God, and fear. But, Lord, you took addiction from me, God, and proved that you were the only one who could do it, God. So I thank you, Jesus. God, I give you praise for it, Jesus. Because, God, you're the only one who can do it, Jesus. God, and you prove it, Jesus, and you show forth your glory, Jesus. God, that's why we give you praise, Lord. Bless your name, Father. Bless your name, Father. Father, I remember growing up in church but really not knowing you. I knew who you were, but I didn't know you. Father, and there was that time that I went through hell from the time of the age of 8 to the age of 14, and I thought I was just ready to give up. But I know, Father, that you had called me specifically, and I would go through things that would help me grow in you, that would help me trust you, and make me realize that you were the only way, the only truth, the only life. And the only way I could make it through was through you. And I thank you for it, God. I thank you, Lord God, because you didn't stop there. But at the age of 16, God, you, you laid me out in the ditch on the side of 55 Highway. And you called me. And you anointed me. And you told me I'd never be the same again. And Father, I bless you and I honor you for what you've done thus far in my life. And I praise you and I give you glory for taking us beyond where we've been and taking us to a new level in you. God, we bless you right now, Lord God, because everything we've gone through was for your glory for your praise, for your worship to go forth, to reach the nations for your gospel, Jesus. For your name's sake, God. We thank you for what you've done. We, we give you praise, God. We give you glory. Because if it had not been for what we've been through, we wouldn't be able to go where we're going, Father. We thank you for what you've done. We honor you. We give you praise, Jesus' name. See, what it means is to refresh your memory. Sometimes you've got to remind yourself. I don't think you're getting this yet. Sometimes you got to remind yourself where you came from. That's why David, after he messed up with Bathsheba in Psalms 51, he says, created me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. 
Anybody remember the day that you got joy when you were saved? Sometimes you got to remind yourself. Sometimes you got to refresh your memory. Sometimes you got to stir up your spirit on the inside. Had it not been for the Lord on my side, somebody needs right now just to begin to lay your hand on your belly and say, God, I'm going to remind myself of what I used to be. And God, I believe, God, I'm going to remind myself of how I used to be and where I used to be. I like that scripture because Paul says we'll stir up the gift by the laying on of hands. You know what we wait on, Chrissy? We wait on some evangelist do that to us. We wait on some evangelist to speak a word over us. It's good preaching whether you like it or not. But the whole time, we've got the ability to stir up the gift of God on the inside of us. The whole time, we've got the ability to stir up the Holy Ghost on the inside of us. Paul says, or excuse me, Peter says this, and when we do that, it teaches us how to love one another. It teaches us how to love not only one another, how to love the world. Go to First Thessalonians there. Throw that one up there real quick. And I begin to wonder, okay, so you're teaching us the gospel did not come to us just in word only, but also in power and the Holy Spirit and assurance as we know what kind of men we were. Understanding that all of us at one time were laying there waiting for him to come. Understanding that all of us as a church have been laying there waiting on a move of God to come. Understanding that 38 means that one day we were in bondage. But when Jesus shows up, there was a lot that came in the name of Jesus that were not Jesus. But when Jesus Christ shows up, the word Christ means Christos. And the word Christos means that it breaks or destroys the yokes of bondage. So when he shows up, the anointing shows up. And when he shows up, it begins to break things in our life. And when he shows up, it begins to change things in our life. And when he shows up, it begins to open up some things. I somebody understood when we get back to declaring Jesus Christ of Nazareth just like Simon Peter did Simon Peter had to remind himself in Acts chapter 3 we went by the gate beautiful and I remember there was a lame man that was laying there and he said alms alms he said a silver and gold have I none but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk This is good. I think this was for me more than anybody. There's people who had their legs taken out from under. Have you got that Acts 3 5? Gotta give that to them. Right now. This was a thing 
the man was expecting to receive something. Psalm 62.5 says this, My soul is in expectation for you, O Lord. My soul waits for you, O God. What would happen? Let's just try this. Why don't you lay down there, Pastor? Is it okay if you lay on the altar? Yeah, is that okay? It didn't matter. What would happen if he represented the church? The church, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, that does this. What if he represented that church that is laying there asleep, that is laying there, and yet they don't realize that the Spirit of God is moving in the house of God, and everybody else is getting blessed, but they're not getting blessed. The reason is, is because you've got to make a decision to jump in the water while the water is being stirred. You've got to make a decision to grab a hold of the hem of his garment as he's passing by. I don't think you're getting it yet. You've got to make a decision to rise up and walk. You've got to make a decision. I'm tired of being here doing the same old, same old thing. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm going to break this thing in my life. I'm going to begin to see God. This ain't powerful preaching. This is just good teaching, isn't it? And then look what he says in Corinthians. Throw that one up there for me. It's so hung up on how a man preaches. And you said it. We get so hung up on whoever the preacher or the speaker is and the word he's bringing. But Paul says this, I'm not preaching with words of enticing words of wisdom, persuasive words of wisdom. But the very thing that will change our churches. You ready? Come here. Now this this whole revival, I'm I'm going to get out of the way. I think I'm about done. I've got two services left. But something happened last night. When you grabbed a hold of his hand, and I put y'all's hands together, the power of God touched him in a way he's never been touched before. You didn't sit there and have to preach for 45 minutes and spit on him like I do. didn't have to have anointing oil and rub it all over his hair. You didn't have to get up here and wash his feet like you've done in the past. All you did was grab a hold of his hands and the Spirit of God started moving. Simon Peter was saying this, if we ever understand the concept of the power of God moving 
and us in twos. If we ever understood, you let go. They can do what no one else can do. His name is Jesus. And I would like to introduce him to you tonight. He can take away your sin. He can restore you tonight. He is my best friend and I want you to know him so much. Rise up and walk. And understanding if the church will ever stir up the gift on the inside of us. My wife last night, craziest thing I've ever seen her do in my life. We, we go to Applebee's. Y'all stay here for a minute. We go to Applebee's. She sees somebody from another church that we know. She says, pay for their meal. I said, great, I'll do that. We tell the waitress, waitress brings me the ticket. I said, wow, that was a pretty good meal, 18 bucks. So I pay for it. And all of a sudden, she paid for somebody else's meal. We didn't even know. And the waitress came back and said, oh, I thought you was talking about that guy way over there, that couple over there. She goes, no, I don't even know them. She said, well, David, pay for, pay for his meal, too. I spent $60 on, a, on just a little thing of boneless wings last night. <laughs> then what makes it worse, when we're leaving, that couple that we paid for is really awkward. They walk out, and they're looking at us <laughs> like we don't know you. And they get in a brand-new Porsche. Which she's like, <laughs> and you're sitting here going, what's the point of that story? Is she did something outside of the box that she normally doesn't do. What would happen if we opened up the box and let the dove out of the box? What would happen if we flipped the table and said, I'm tired of having church as usual. I'm tired of always doing things traditionally. I'm tired of always being the same old, same old every time that we come into church. And I'm ready, God, for you to stir up the gift of God on the inside of me and begin to stir the water, begin to stir the oil, and God, that we can have a move of God that not only will affect this church, but God, I believe it can affect Farmington. And God, not only will it affect Farmington, I believe it can affect Missouri. And I'm God, I believe we can have a revival that will change our families, that will change our jobs. That happened for me. Need every minister up here real quick. Every minister.
play something on the keyboard for me. Craziest thing I'm going to do. I'm gonna have, let me have you four right here, over here, and face them. Well, you say, well, you're just doing an old-fashioned prayer line. But I'm not going to do it like an old-fashioned prayer line. I'm not going to do it like an old-fashioned prayer line. All we're going to do is we're just going to raise our hands. And I'm going to ask you, if you're ready to see God do something in your life, to stir up some things. Some of us have been sitting here for 38 years doing the same old, same old. Doing the same thing over and over and over again. I don't understand it. When I prayed for him last night, I tucked the anointing oil and put it on his eyes. He came back tonight and he said, I said, can you see any better? And he says, I see a little better. And you say, well, what does that mean? Sometimes it happens instantly. And sometimes God does it in a progress. The word, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Recovery can be instantly. This is the thing. This revival at this point is no longer about me. That's kind of weird to say. I don't want this to be about the David Tennyson revival. Thank you for what you said. I want this to be about Elevate Church and everybody in this room finally became obedient to the voice of God. We can sit here while everybody else gets touched. Or we can be obedient. Say, God, I'm ready for something to stir inside of me.
I just looked up this scripture and I wanted to make sure I got it right because I'm not too good with scripture sometimes. Philippians 2.8 says this, Jesus humbled himself and fashioned himself as a man and became obedient, even obedient to the death of the cross. So if God himself, the Son of God himself, became obedient... What would happen to the church if we started becoming obedient to the voice of God again? And my brother right here said, just walked up and said, somebody in this room has a, a piercing sound in their ear. He just hears God told him that somebody has a something going on with their ear. I don't know what it is. Somebody having ear issues. He's obedient. Ministers, come here. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, God. To you are all things. You deserve the glory. I'll see you later, brother. My wife's feeling nauseous. She's pregnant, so okay, she's okay. All right, buddy. Thank you. Mm. Now this is where I'm at. They sing this new song that says, whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like. Y'all probably never, has anybody ever heard that song? We sing, whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like. You probably heard it, hadn't you, Andy? But we say it has to be the way we want it. What would happen If somehow, tonight, that God began to change some things on the inside of us. Started shifting some things on the inside of us. And he began to do some different things by stirring some things up inside of us. So we're going to do it this way. Because I've got to be obedient to God. And Hannah, I've got to answer to him one day. I've got to stand accountable in front of him.
And the Bible says I have to be accountable for every idle word spoken, but I also believe I have to be accountable for every prophetic word that I don't speak. So we're going to do this. I'm going to ask everyone to stand up. Unless you're in the altar, you can sit. You can sit. They're over here praying. It says that we stir up one another in First Peter. It says, basically, stirring each other up, remembering. So I want you to find one person. And, and I'm going to say this. Find one person that you will go to, and I want you to just begin to grab their hand and begin to pray with them. And say, God, that you will help us Remember where you brought us from. Not only where you brought us from, but how you have changed my life. And I remember how when I first got saved, God, I was on milk. But now you're slowly giving me some meat. And God, I like the ribeye steaks that you give me now. And I love, God, the rhema word that you give me. And I, I love the nuggets that you give me. And, and God, I thank you, God, I'm not the same that I was when I first got saved. And God, that you've matured me. And I, I begin to, to change. And, and I'm being transformed every day. And God, you're using me, God, to draw closer to you. And you're drawing closer to me. And I just begin to pray one for another that way. So find one person real quick. Now watch this. Watch this. You ready? I want everybody to look at me. What we do is we typically go to the same people that we know. 
these two girls over here came together, so they pray together. These two guys have been friends for years, so they, they just, well, I'll just pray with you. We're married, so I'll just pray with her. But how are we going to reach the drug addict and the alcoholic and the prostitute when they walk through your door when we keep going to the same people? I know that was kind of offensive. It kind of stepped on your toes. But before this church can become a lighthouse, before this church can become the spiritual beacon that it's been called to be, before this church can become the spiritual hospital, we've got to get out of our tradition, break out of our comfort zones, open up the cage and let the Holy Ghost move and begin to stir up the gift of God on the inside of us. So I'm going to ask you to do it again, but this time don't go to somebody you already know. Find somebody that you would not feel comfortable praying with and say, I'm going to go to them. I'm going to stretch myself for just a minute. Come on. We're going to do it again. Find somebody else. That's it. Come on. There's going to be people walking through these doors that need somebody to say, I need somebody to pray with me. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's it. Now do this. Now do this. Lay your hands on them and say, God, I'm asking God that you'll stir up the gift of God on the inside of them. God, right now that you begin to stir the water, begin to stir the oil, begin to do something on the inside of them, God, that will stir them up. God, I'm asking, Lord, right now, stir the waters on the inside of them.
I know I'm not the evangelist of the night, but I want you to listen to something closely. And I've said this before, but I just wonder what would happen if a few of, a few of us tonight would kind of put on the same outfit that David had on when he brought the ark back into the room. When David started bringing the ark back into the room, he tore down all the way to his tunic, and he started getting undignified before the Lord. But I want to tell you something. He even his own wife said, you're looking foolish. But he said, you know what? I don't care what I look like. I wonder what somebody will do tonight to just get out of your box. Get out of what the norm is. Get out of what you would normally do. You see, when I get up here and worship the Lord, I didn't used to do that. Why? Because I was a little bit reserved. But since God has called me into something else, i got to worship inside of me. And it doesn't matter what I look like. Ladies, it doesn't matter what your makeup looks like. Man, it doesn't matter if your shirt tears. It doesn't matter if you get stains on it. Oh, my Lord, have mercy. Sing. I, I, I double dog dare somebody to do something in worship that you've never done before in your life. Come on, church. Somebody needs to grab a hold of what I'm talking about right now because I, I can feel that there's a spirit that God is trying to tell somebody to do something that you've never done before and it's about the obedience that we was talking about. You need to obey the Lord. That person that God is saying is take off walking. Take off walking. Come on. Take off walking. I can hear it. I can hear it in the spirit. Come on. Take off walking. Take off praying for this church. Oh. Hallelujah. Yes,
I'm going to share this. Pastor Dane, let me share this real quick. When he, he talked about David coming back in with the Ark of the Covenant, 2 Samuel chapter 6. Mikael saw him. Mikael was David's wife. And she said, how glorious was the king today. But I want to remind you this. I want you to remember this. Number one, she was a daughter of a king. And then number two, she was a bride of the king. Can I tell you what's happened in our churches? We're children of God and we're considered to be the bride of Christ, but we forgot how to worship. He gave you a double dog dare. And I'm not trying to extend this service. But I'm going to ask you right now. If you understand that the presence of God is in this room. I want you to stand to your feet. And however you worship. For the next five minutes, ten minutes, next hour. Worship like you've never worshipped before is what he said. Do something you've never done before. You know what happens? Sometimes we get embarrassed. My wife used to spin like a little Indian girl. She hit a, a communion table one time, got a bruise on her leg. She hadn't spun since because she got embarrassed. And I'm not trying to embarrass her tonight. I'll probably be in the doghouse. But what would happen if we just said, God, I'm just going to worship like I've never worshipped before. I'm going to break some traditions in my life. I'm going to break some things that I've always done, the same thing over and over and over and over again. And whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, Anna, whatever it looks like, Because I'm tired of having church as same old, same old. I'm ready to see the church start doing something again. And the only way it's going to happen is with a demonstration of the Spirit. I'm done. One last thing. <laughs> On 9-11-2001, one of my mentors, Floyd Lahan, came to the pulpit and he said three or four words. This is all he said. Worship. Oh God, worship. And because the Twin Towers had went down that day, hundreds of people ran to the altar, fell flat on their face, and we was in there till one o'clock in the morning. We worshiped like we'd never worshiped before. Worship. Oh God, worship.
I want to tell you a testimony. He talked about the man at the pool of Bethesda needed a healing. And same old thing and same old thing and same old thing. Several years ago, I, I fell off of a horse and fractured two vertebrae in my lower back. I was in need of a healing. 